Welcome to the 82nd episode of Dialoga, a podcast between two friends about the latest in society, politics, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tangkilisan, and I'm Sweden Lee. And this week is a slow news week, so we're going to talk about that scandal, the Harley Davidson and Brompton scandal, that brought down a good amount of directors in Garuda Indonesia, including the person on top, Ariaksara. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the scandal, uh, what it means. Uh, for Eric Thohir, the new BUMN or state-owned enterprise minister, and how this is not the first time Garuda has been caught in hot water. Uh, we're gonna explain a little bit also about what it means to be a state-owned enterprise and what does that signify and why that is, and how they should do better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's to it. What's up with Indonesia this week, Sudian? Uh, it's been a bit of a slow news month because I feel like there's not much to talk about. But I guess for this first episode of December, we will talk about a major slash minor scandal in Indonesian news, which is the whole Harley Davidson Brompton scandal that brought down the president director of Garuda Indonesia uh, as a show of force from the new BUMN minister Eric Thohir. Indonesia is set to find Garuda in the aftermath of a smuggling scandal. And the airline's CEO, Ari Askhara, uh, has been sacked after a government-led investigation revealed that he'd smuggled a Harley-Davidson motorbike and two bicycles onto a plane. He is said to have avoided paying more than $100,000 in custom taxes by not declaring the three items. The investigation found that another employee assisted Mr. Askhara. Uh, the company's current chief financial officer, Fuad Rizal, is to step in as acting CEO. So to recap what happened in the space of just a few weeks, uh, from the middle of November until uh, the beginning of December, um, the now ex-president director of Garuda Indonesia, Ari Akshara, uh, who was just in power for over a year, uh, was caught in a scandal of basically smuggling a fancy vintage Harley Davidson as well as uh, super hipster Brompton bikes, which are these like fancy folded bikes that you would expect, you know, hipsters with like nice trimmed beards to be wearing, not like some... Like rich hipsters. <laughs> rich hipsters, like, you know. So um, Ariakshara basically bought the Harley Davidson through eBay in Amsterdam, using one of his uh, minions, as uh, one of his Garuda minions uh, in the Amsterdam office, bought it on eBay, tried to bring it in to Indonesia via other means and failed. And so this time, because Garuda has just is receiving a new shipment of an Airbus plane, decided to smuggle those uh, motorbikes, which are considered as luxury goods and need to be taxed appropriately, um, smuggled them into these new planes and brought them here to bypass the whole taxation and custom system. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, on 17th November, as the plane is parking in the special hangar just for Garuda planes, uh, the people from the tax office, from the customs office came and you know did a random check because they got a tip that there was going to be some um, non-declared 
luxury products being brought in. And so they checked everything and they found the Harley Davidson spare parts and the bike and the whole shebang unraveled. What's the value of these bikes? Like it's around the ones I saw are like 70 to 100 million. Something. The ones that were caught in the scandal was like about 50 to 60 Indonesian million. So that's like four to five thousand dollars. Uh, yes. While the Harley Davidson itself was like 800 Indonesian million rupiah, which is about what? I think like 70,000? Yeah, 655, something like that. Depending on our currency today. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a different story. But anyway. I feel like this particular corruption scandal has kind of gained public attention because it's a Harley. the ridiculousness <laughs> of the whole situation. Yeah. It's a Harley Davidson, it's a big showy machine. Yeah. And like people are like, seeing photos of really fancy motorbikes in a country where most people drive really like functional utilitarian bebeks uh, like motorcycles yeah um so i think it's like a relatable item of scandal that people can be like what the hell i mean if you're a biker right? i mean as opposed to like panama papers monthly laundering operations in far off places like this is like something that can be grasped see like even people in power just all they want is a nice bike and they will you know uh go through all kinds of illegal ways to obtain it without having to pay their taxes Mm -hmm. (laughs) actually it's funny right the whole point of the scandal is just around paying taxes (laughs) it's not even that exciting i mean it's like it's like sometimes you rarely say this but good job tax evasion officials (laughs) yeah um wow you guys did your job oh nice good job bad people (laughs) Uh, I think what's interesting as well is like Garuda has this whole show on their annual report about their like anti-corruption policies and their policies of integrity Mm -hmm. it's like in capital letters integrity integritas Um, and then uh, this happens and like they're like very proud of their like whistleblowing system but like if you were some a Garuda employee who thinks that this is not right, you can't report it because the the person on top, director Tama, the main the, the person on top is involved. Yeah. So they had to go to another government agency. So good job, resourceful Garuda whistleblower. Like good job. And what's fascinating is that as this whole scandal broke about the, about the motorbikes and about uh, Ari Akshara's involvement in it, it's also unraveled just like his uh, his poor governance as the uh, president director of Garuda because the union of Garuda workers came out with statements saying that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Under Ari, Garuda has been uh, practicing some really poor management practices, including making um, their stewardesses work longer hours past what is allowed by the law, um, pushing them into really extreme work conditions, and then sort of like blackmailing them. Like if they don't do these extra hours or these extra tasks, then they're going to be moved on to a different department or they're just going to be fired. 
Yeah. And so there's been like a culture of intimidation over the last year under Ari. Um that a lot of people are now like and, and Garuda now is is not a profitable company. There are losses. Yeah. So like on the surface they are saying like, okay, we're gonna squeeze our employees to quote be more efficient. Um but to the extent of like being unsafe business practice and just inhumane. Um, whereas like the Garuda employees are, you know, like they're not earning that much money compared to um, the salary of the direct Narutama, um, Ariaxara's salary. So it's sort of like this inequality in action. And then on top of that, you have him being involved in a huge smuggling operation. Mm-hmm. For his own personal enjoyment. Yeah. So it kind of goes to show the lack of empathy that he has towards his employees and mm-hmm. just kind of like the mentality that he feels like he's entitled to mm-hmm. using Garuda. Because essentially what's happening here is he feels that there's a level of entitlement, right? Like there's this, oh, I'm the director Tama, so I can do what I want to do and I can use this aircraft as my own personal shuttle service yeah um like it's like he thinks he's the king of his own kingdom and i think that's indicative of a lot of how bomn enterprises right like these companies like you know state-owned enterprises have been perceived where for a lot of people they think that oh once they become the leaders and the people in charge of these enterprises then they have all the power because in many ways you know you've kind of got the buy-in of the government yeah and things like that when in fact no, you're supposed you're supposed to be held at a higher level of accountability because you are not only trying to build the business, but you're building a business for the for the nation, right? Yeah. Um, and I think for Garuda in particular, like this is not the first time that the person in charge of Garuda oh, no. has been involved in a scandal. Unfortunately, not even like in the last uh, few decades. In the last like five years, they've replaced their uh, person in charge. I mean, the previous director. Otama as well. Emir Satar was was involved in a corruption scandal involving auctioning off um, engines of planes that are like Airbus and Rolls Royce yeah. and money laundering with an uh, Indonesian businessman, Sutikno Sudario, who coincidentally, or maybe not, also owns the Harley Davidson franchise among a lot of other luxury holdings like the Bulgari hotels and jewelry. So I guess Ari's case of just like getting one Harley wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, this this, this this is like small fry compared to the old. And like the usage of the actual Pete Garuda Indonesia as a company's name to like kind of it's it was a lot more sophisticated of a crime, let's just say. Yeah. But I mean it doesn't lessen the fact that like not only are these people in power obviously abusing their power as the leaders of these companies but it's also like wow you guys just like expensive stuff and wants to not pay taxes on them it's almost just like the the absurdity of the wealth gap right like the insensitivity to uh the rest of the population is just ludicrous and i think that's what a lot of indonesians have found galling it's just like wow you guys are just so so, too much (laughs) too much
So, I mean, like, let's talk a little bit about what a state-owned enterprise is. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think when we see Garuda, we, we think it's, we know it's kind of a state-owned enterprise, but it seems pretty independent enough. Um, so, a state-owned enterprise is essentially uh, a for-profit company that is majority owned or like owned by the government. So, the reason why this mm-hmm. exists is so that, um, you know, like, for like public goods, you know, like building roads, building airports, building ports, like you need companies to build these facilities, even though the money or the company might not necessarily be profitable, um, just because it's a necessary good for the country itself, right? So like when you think of highways, when you think of ports, like creating a port in the middle of nowhere might not seem to make sense for a for-profit company to do. So this is where the state-owned enterprises come in and make sure that these things are built and operational. Mm-hmm. Um, and like with Garuda as well, like maybe they're all going to have to, unlike other airlines, they're supposed to have routes where maybe it's not financially feasible yet for the company to um, have a route to a certain town. But mm-hmm. it's necessary for the economy of the city to grow. So, you know, like that's what it's for. But at the same time, state-owned enterprises are supposed to be run at the level of excellence. Like, that's what is expected from them. It's not... And a lot of state-owned companies itself are, like, compared to the regular ministries, like, because they are, like, ostensibly for-profit, um, the directors and all of the, like, higher levels earn, like, market rate or above market rate salaries yeah. of a private company as opposed to, like, a ministry. So there's a lot um, of money involved to kind of like attract the best talent. Yeah. And like their budgets are super big and they're they have a lot of autonomy and power to operate and um, within the country. And uh, for the most part, like rightfully so, like mm-hmm. we will there are a lot of good that state owned companies do. Right. Like um, Pertamina, um, for example, like without it. <laughs> most Indonesians won't have gas in all of different places like with all the fuel um, subsidies and things with like all that. the fuel subsidies and all of like and you know Eric Tohir who was recently become the state-owned enterprise minister has a long history of being a like successful businessman yeah um so that's kind of like the idea of like running the state-owned enterprise as a business but not a personal business where you, you as a director, if you have a family company and you want to like use your planes to transport your Harley Davidson, that's kind of okay as long as you pay the taxes on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this is like this is this is. I mean, even a, even on the even at a private level, it's already questionable. Let alone a state-owned enterprise level. Um, but I think you know, in particular, I've noticed with like. Even in Jokowi's first term, but I think even more so in his second term, you know, he's always championed this idea that the government needs to work with private sector, right? Like mm-hmm. him coming from a business background himself, um, there needs to be more collaboration and more um, working together between these, what a lot of people have considered as two different spheres, the public sphere and the private sphere, in order to get things done. Because otherwise, nothing will get done. No. Uh, but I think, unfortunately, historically, BOMN and a lot of the companies that you know that you mentioned earlier, like you know Garuda and Pertamina itself, which has its own fair share of historical scandals, 
um, a lot of these companies have not been run properly. Mm-hmm. You know, just simple as that. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the idea of being somebody like Eric Tahir, who even though uh, a lot of people might already know him because he's been around, like he was um, the campaign manager for Djokovic's re-election campaign. Um, and if you're a football fan like me, he was the former owner of Inter Milan. But you know, that's not important. <laughs> like People might know him, but he's not, he hasn't been really that involved in government. He's been really involved in business, obviously. Yeah. But he's a fresh face when you compare to the other people that used to be in charge of BOMN. So I think, like, in a way, he is kind of like the biggest winner from this whole situation because he's like mm-hmm. catapulting into a national level. And I think, you know, uh, I remember uh, reading the news a little bit, right? Like when he was first appointed as the new Minister of Women, replacing uh, Reni Sumarno, there was a lot of, I think, you know, question marks about yeah. like, oh, he was Jokowi's campaign manager. That's why he got this position. And then obviously there was the news about how he wanted to appoint Aho as the um, head of Pertamina, and then everybody was like, oh, why are you appointing Aho? Things like that. So there was a lot of suspicion from the old political guard about Eric Tohir, and I think this is a huge win for him to be like, no, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm already doing something better. Yeah. Look at what I caught. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm always like healthily uh, skeptical about any business people involved this in... Businessmen turned politician. In, in politics, but... At the same time, I'm also like, I'm willing to give anyone a chance to be like, all right, let's see how you're going to manage this position and how you're going to handle all these difficult people. And I think, you know, we, we started this conversation sort of like making fun of the whole scandal because it is, after all, surra- you know, anchored around a motorbike, which just, <laughs> I just heard a motorbike now. In, pa- pass by. Just literally passed uh. by. That was great timing. Um, but at the heart of this, right, is about trying to tackle some deep-seated uh, corruption at a state-owned enterprise level and that's not an easy thing to tackle for anyone let alone somebody who's just you know uh, starting their job yeah i mean the whole thing as i've said before it's kind of like the entitlement of um Ariaxara and people who are technically in a way government employees to evade taxes that pays their salary while at the same time for the sake of profitability pushing their own employees to do like really long shifts cross country and across the world basically mm-hmm. in a way that is unsafe and un- inhumane to do while he's like sitting back on his computer looking at ebay like oh this is the bike i want um it's just kind of a show of like the disparity in our like state of enterprises um, and it's a company of like national pride, right? Like, like yeah. We remember the days when Garuda was banned from America and Europe. <laughs> that was when we were like teenagers. And I have to say, like, there's a, Garuda is a kind of company that has a lot of public trust in a way compared yeah. to the other airlines locally. Like, I know, like my parents like feel more comfortable flying Garuda Indonesia within Indonesia domestically because. It has kind of the best safety records mm-hmm. among other Indonesian companies. Um, and it's generally run like, like the stewardess are like great and 
it's more on time than other airlines. By Indonesian and, and it's a premium airline. Yeah. Like for Indonesian airline, if you're flying Garuda domestically, it's like the best option. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the most expensive option. And even regionally, um, it's but, been taken more seriously, yeah. right? Like when you're competing with airlines like Singapore yeah. Airlines, like it matters. I oh, think, that's a difficult competition. I, I mean, it is a difficult co- a comparison, but I think it matters for national pride that like at least we have something that mm-hmm. may not may still can fly in the Europe. Yeah, can at least fly in Europe. And I think uh, to to see that you know something that has a lot of goodwill in terms of. Um, People actually using the service, yeah, is being run by people like Ariaxara and like and the people before him. It's just it's kind of depressing and kind of sad. And you know, after all, these are state-owned enterprises. Our taxes go in some way towards how um, they're being run. So we should we should be angry that this kind of conduct is being is being made on behalf of state-owned enterprises. It's like it just also I think means that once. Everybody, once this company is run even more professionally, that it has so much potential. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, wow, given like all of their issues, they are still like a trusted, reputable airline. Yeah. Says something about the potential. And like, I think some of the actual people responsible for running it, you know, like I'm sure mm-hmm. like given all of these issues, like there are really good people within Garuda who are doing their best professionally and we hope those people will rise to the top and take control of this airline because you can't have like a good airline without good people and i'm sure they're in there somewhere yeah of course it's the whistleblower it's just for sure not the people on top and uh let's hope that the next president director of garuda will uh do an actually good job instead of just profiting out of the enterprise Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's stephtank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!